Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is the Raptors Rapture podcast. Um, we, uh, the date is uh, Sunday the 28th. Have I got that right? Yes. 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 The 28th. Sorry, guys. Uh, of, of January 2018, and we are discussing uh, the Toronto Raptors, their past week, and uh, we have a number of topics to walk through, which we think will be of interest to our listeners, um, and we want to perhaps start with discussing uh, what happened against the Utah Jazz, and then we'll expand upon that and see where else we can go. Yeah, um, so... The Jazz, as most of our listeners I will know, the Raptors went had a six-point lead late versus the Utah Jazz. Uh, blew the game during that time. It was a couple of Donovan Mitchell free throws first, as well as, a, or I'm sorry, a Derek Favors putback, then a couple Mitchell free throws, and then eventually it was Ricky Rubio, of all people, sealing the deal with the three-pointer. Um giving the Jazz a one-point lead. DeMar DeRozan went down and missed the what would be the game-tying shot um, down two. Guys, do you want to speak on kind of – I'll start with you, Kobe. What happened during that stretch? Um, so basically what it, it, it looked like just the guys were playing sluggish like the entire way. Um, nobody was really boxing out. That's why Favors really got it put back. And then it was just uh, we reverted to iso ball late game which was our Achilles heel for the last couple of years, right? This year, it's been a different game. We've been passing the ball, shooting the three and whatnot, but uh, reverted iso ball. It didn't turn out well. And then, like you said, of all people, Ricky Rubio was the one to uh, to put it away. Guy hadn't hit a shot from the second quarter on. But, um, yeah, no, it was just not a good ending for the guys. Yeah, I think it was the most disappointing thing was, as you touched on a little bit, the <clears throat> the isolation ball late in the game that we kind of reverted back to kind of our old habits there of one, one man up, four men down, throw it to DeMar, let DeMar go to work instead of what we have been working towards this whole season, which coach Casey, I've given a lot of credit for of this new Galatarian system, moving the ball. And it kind of seems like when your back was really against the wall, you threw that, uh, threw that out the window in order to play isolation. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? When they get pushed up against the wall, you revert to what you're used to, and and that's just uh, we got to get away from that. But um, like it, it'll take years. It's our first year stepping away from it, but it'll, it'll take some time. Hopefully, hopefully this this will be a, like an experience for the guys, and they'll kind of start to learn from it again. Yeah, exactly, Brian. What do you think? Well, I think that there are signs that that the change is starting to set in. I mean, I watch you in the second quarter. And seeing the ball go to Jonas Valanciunas in the corner, I just about fell out of my chair. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time you saw Jonas Valanciunas with the ball in the corner? And, and he he made three dribbles and slammed it home, which because I'm sure the Utah guys were just as startled as everybody else. Um, you need to be more imaginative on offense. And, and 
the Raptors have never been that way. I mean, I was I was at the game in which they lost to the New Jersey Nets, Game Seven, because who got the ball with a few seconds to play and, and determined to put a shot up? Kyle Lowry. I understand the psychology of that, but I don't understand the the team value of such a thing. I mean, the, the one thing you seem you should want to do when you're in a pressure situation where you need a basket with a short clock is to surprise the other team. I mean, that, that play that um, Jay Triano ran the other day when Phoenix won on, on a pass right from, uh, from out, of, out of bounds directly to uh, Tyson Chandler yeah. was phenomenal. That, and, and Jay Triano was always, when he was a Raptors coach, extremely good at coming up with really sexy, out of the, uh, from nowhere plays uh, that would create baskets where you wouldn't think it would be possible to do so. And I would really like to see more of that on the current Raptors iteration instead of saying, oh, well, toss the ball to, to Demar or Kyle and, and let them make a bucket. It's just, it's so bloody obvious. I mean, come on, guys. So I just, that sets, a, sets my crank meter up to 11. Yeah, I agree. Um, that final play where Ricky Rubio hit the shot. Also, Kyle Lowry, I understand Ricky Rubio is not a good shooter, but the help can't be quite that severe, I think in the game time situation. You can't leave that early and that obvious. Ricky Rubio is not a good shooter by any means, but when you're talking about a team that's down two, you're giving up a wide open three-pointer. I, I understand he's not a good shooter, but you have to be a little bit smarter than that, I think. Yeah, that was a head to He was in a different postal code on that shot. That was, it was not attractive at all. And, you know, you're right because – if all of all the guys on the floor for Utah to take a three pointer, Rubio is probably the first guy you would want to do so because he's been so poor at it. But you at least have to pretend to defend the guy. Right. Well, yeah. You have to. It can't be that obvious. No. Um. Yeah. No. I completely agree with everything. But uh, just Rubio alone, even if he isn't a good shooter, like you said, you still got to close him out. Anybody who's in the NBA can make a shot, right? So, and it's um like the, the this year's been a step up kind of for Rubio like he's hit more three-pointers so you'd figure it'd kind of be in game notes or whatnot so uh yeah I know it was disappointing to see the the defense on the play okay and perhaps a little bit earlier we can talk about the, uh, <clears throat> the big win over the Hawks the Hawks obviously are not a very good team the Raptors were coming off I think, three days rest against the Hawks team but it was nice to see them you know kind of avoid the rust game and really take care of business, particularly defensively and particularly early. Um, Kobe, what did you kind of, what were your kind of takeaways from that game? So, uh, like you mentioned, yeah, the, the Hawks are a pretty terrible basketball team. Um, so while, while the win was much needed and it was a big one, I kind of, like, I personally took it with a grain of salt just because of, like, how poor, like, the Raptors started off not good. I don't know what the exact number is. I think it was one for five. We started off shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily the Hawks match, but, um, but yeah, no, it was just a slow, another slow start, but, uh, I like the way the defense worked throughout the game. Um, we really do- dominated the entire way. And I, I had a real, like one of my favorite plays of the past week was the, uh, fast, uh, fast break between, uh, DeMar, Kyle and, uh, OG. I was just like, that's, that's the type of stuff I want to be seeing more often. Just, it was like a three second transition that they were down the court, three passes and a slam dunk and it was good to go. So, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I agree completely. And, and I wanted to press the point that that was a no dribble slam dunk. So, the timing of the pass to OG was exactly right. 
You know, the last thing you want to do is get, get throw the ball to a guy who's got to put it on the floor at least once before it goes up. And and Demar made that uh, an easy play for our for our rookie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it was really nice to see. So. Uh, also, I want to talk about the game from Fred Van Vliet during that. Van Vliet had probably, I personally, I believe his best game as a pro um, was team high in points, had three blocks magnificently, and really kind of played well. Um, guys, do you see him, he's already playing a good amount of game, <clears throat> getting a good amount of time. Do you see him getting even more time kind of as the season goes on and as, you need more ball handlers on the court when your offense slows down, perhaps during the postseason. I don't see why not. He certainly surprised the heck out of me. I mean, I, I thought he'd be gone by halfway through the season, but he's been remarkable, frankly. Uh, he's a very effective ball handler. Does not turn the ball over very much. Makes a lot of steals. Uh, he he seems to have very good timing on when he comes into a double team. To uh, when the in many cases a big man has brought the ball down to his waist. Fred all of a sudden appears out of nowhere. It's like he slides up under the floor and pops up. And uh, all of a sudden the ball's under pressure or even stolen. So that's one of the many things useful for him. He's showing that he can hit the three with it on a consistent basis. So he can no longer be, oh, well, let's just slack off from the way the Raptors did in Rubio. And those are some very valuable skills for a young player and a young undrafted player. That's the mind-boggling part. He didn't cost us anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got him for free. And I... In a way, it's almost a curse because his contract comes up so soon because he's not on that rookie deal because you didn't use a pick on him. So that's kind of the upsetting part is that he enters free agency so soon where if he would have gotten a fully guaranteed contract, he would be able to stay on the team for longer. Well, you're absolutely right. Sorry, Kobe. Go ahead, Kobe. I just also want to uh, add on that – is just can I just mention how great he is at finishing around the net? Like I, I know this is uh, kind of tailing off of the contract talk, but I just holy cow, watching him play is just fantastic, and I'd hate to lose him. But uh, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, the the whole issue of who to pay, who to pay, and who not to pay, and who to keep, and who not to keep, of course, is is ongoing, and it's something that uh, I'll be continuing to write about, and I encourage you guys to to write about it as well because it's it's going to have a huge impact on, on next year's iteration of the Raptors, whatever they look like. And uh, I mean, I, I'm sitting around here wondering if I should stop writing let's trade Jonas Valanciunas proposals because he's playing really well. So then you say, okay, well, well, who's left to trade? There's nobody who you want to trade at this point, which obviously makes trades pretty difficult. So what the heck do we do? You know, I wrote a post the other day about how it would be nice to have a first-round pick this year. Maybe not. Maybe we don't need anybody else. Or maybe we just need to promote some guys from, from the 905 or at least give them a chance at training camp. So it's, it's a funky question. And, and how, to, how to work Fred Van Vliet into you know, tripling or more his salary is going to be part of the, the difficult offseason that uh, Masai Ujiri and the team are going to have. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, as far as we have a, quite a few players that need a payday, and it's definitely going to be – a difficult decision for Masai. Um, as you talked on Jonas Valanciunas, that's actually our next topic. Um, kind of his improved play of late, particularly the past two games, we went from uh, Minnesota. He had he played 11 minutes, was 0 for 1 from the field, and, I mean, was essentially a non-factor during the game. And you go from that to 
Atlanta, obviously, he played phenomenal. He um, had 13 boards, had, well, was 7 of 14 from the field, and uh, 2 of 3 from the free throw line, so 16 points, 13 rebounds, and then followed that up on Utah with a phenomenal performance. Um, guys, do you want to talk a little bit, we'll start with you, Brian, about Jonas's improved play and what that means for the Raptors moving forward? Well, I think it means, potentially means a great deal if Coach Casey gives more minutes. Uh, I, I don't fully understand why we're uh, putting him on the bench unless he puts himself on the bench through foul difficulty, and that's a whole different discussion we could certainly have. But otherwise, there's simply not a lot of reason for him to be uh, not playing 28-plus minutes a game instead of what he is playing. So I'm, I'm kind of baffled by that. Now, obviously, he can have a dreadful game where he gets called on the crap fouls that he got called on in the, against Minnesota, and, and he has to sit down. But as long as he can avoid that kind of nonsense, he should be able to play bigger minutes and continue to score in different ways. And that, for me, is the key for him. I mean, he's, he's showing that he's got – a left-handed running hook shot, for God's sake. He, he's hit two threes against Utah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things going on with that guy that are really nice to see. And I, who knows whether he can continue it, but it's certainly been extremely encouraging. And uh, this also plays back into our discussion about what to do in the offseason, salary cap, who gets paid, et cetera, because it's going to be really tricky to try to figure out what are we going to do with, with Lucas Nagara? Because if you've got Jonas backed up by by Pirtle, where is Lucas's home for $5 million or $8 million? I don't know. Yeah, um, I agree with you. It's The Raptors currently have one too many centers, I think. Um, you have, in today's NBA, you really only need two centers. Um, and you kind of use two centers, and then your third center can be a power forward when you play small ball. So with three centers available at all times, Coach Casey's kind of in a hard predicament, and like you said about Lucas Nagara, it'll be interesting what they do moving forward um, with him. Kobe, uh, what do you think about Jonas Valanciunas' improved play here? Any comments? Uh, so, so personally, myself, I've never been the biggest uh, Jonas supporter, especially at the start of the year. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't too sold on him, but uh, I'm just impressed by the fact that he's really put his head down and just continued to. Uh, grow and change his game to like adapt into the new NBA, right? Centers are supposed to be able to space, uh, space the floor and shoot the three and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm just completely impressed by his game. It's a big turnaround. Um, like Brian mentioned, he's been losing minutes this year, which is, uh, it's a little puzzling, especially after like, like Jakob plays or yeah, Jakob plays well, but he doesn't play like monstrous. And, um, that's where it kind of confuses me a little. Like I'd rather kind of see him come off a bench right now and improve his game. And, uh, yeah, I'm just confused why he's losing minutes. But, no, I'm, I've been really impressed by Jonas so far this year. Um, touching on Noguera, I think, like, personally, on my own opinion, he should probably get traded this offseason. Or not this offseason, but this trade deadline. Um, I just don't think we have the salary. Because, like we talked about, Fred Ram leads coming up. And we, we've already got two centers, let alone two guys who aren't really spacing the floor as per the norm nowadays. So it's... So it's hard to have three centers, right? So, yeah. Well, uh, if I could pick up on a point you made there, Kobe, about about JV, what I, I completely agree and want to support the fact that you mentioned that he's put his head down and played regardless of the minutes he's been given. He seems to have a degree of determination and ability to shrug 
stuff off, which I think he absolutely must have as a professional player. And he's demonstrated that to me this season. I think that's just as important as what he's been doing on the floor. Well, that's exactly what it is with all the, uh, cause I know the chatter has been going on for however many years, like the trade, trade Jonas chatter. Right. And like, he's still here. He's still playing for us. He's still like, no matter what anybody says, he's still putting in, like, he's still going out there and playing his minutes. So yeah, it's great to see him. Um, and as we talked about Jonas Valanciunas play, uh, the past two games have been a struggle for kind of Kyle Lowry. And you can see uh, in the loss we had recently, the team relies on him a lot. And obviously any basketball team re- relies on their better players. It's And Kyle Lowry being your second best player, you're going to rely on him. But he really has a huge impact on – the Raptors wins and losses. And I mean, you've seen in playoff games uh, that's come back to bite the Raptors head. Even when he's, when he's not playing his best, the Raptors really seem to struggle. Uh, Brian, do you have any kind of comments on that? Yeah, I wish he wasn't going to be all-star game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. I mean, I really think that he is in a state now where he's probably disguising either fatigue and injury or both. I shouldn't say either. Uh, and I think that he he needs some rest, and I think the All-Star break would be the perfect opportunity to provide it, but it, that's not going to happen, so I think we're just going to have to kind of grit it out. I mean, I'm looking here at the at the game book from the uh, the Utah mess. He's two for 14 in the game, zero for six from three. Holy smokes, <laughs> that's a, just a dreadful line, particularly for a guy like that. Dreadful line for anybody. Um, so I, I can only hope that it's just, one of the lulls that will occur in a long, tiring season, and that he will. He's got enough pride and enough uh, experience and determination to, to get himself out of the, the funk because only he can do it. You know, it's only you can't yell at him. That doesn't look good. The coach can't say, "Please play better." It's <laughs> silly. You know, it's, it's it's actually reflective of what I said about the preview and for today's Lakers game. I wrote my first point about three point three keys to victory was make some shots, which is a silly thing to say. But there's no other way to put it. You know, you run your plays, you get open looks, and you chop the shot. Like, what? You know, there's only so much you can do. Um, yeah, no, I'll just add a quick point. You touched on uh, uh, needing rest. It's like you only took three day or three games off from that, like what looked to be a real bad tailbone injury, right? Like, I'm sure he can play through it, but he only willingly took three days off. And yeah, the All Star break would have been a nice rest for him. It's it's great to see him because him and Demar together in the All Star, and I know we'll touch on that a little later, is uh is fantastic. But yeah, I know he could have really used the rest uh, this coming break. Yeah, um, would you guys be opposed to maybe sitting him down at some point later in the season for maybe a couple games just to rest and prepare for the postseason, or do you think in the battle of trying to get the one seed? that that's taking it a step too far? It's a very good question. And I would I would give the ultimate Waffler's answer, it depends. Certainly, if the Raptors have a chance to grab the one seat, I think it's important enough that they need to do it, even if they risk a little bit of burnout for their top dogs. Obviously, I hope that's not the case. I hope we can, we can both grab the one seat and rest our people, but that may not be possible. So uh, on balance, I would say getting the one seat is, is just too important, and and hopefully uh, Lowry's minutes and Demar's minutes can be monitored in such a way that we can grab a two-point win when we need a two-point win rather than a ten-point win 
and that's good enough at late in the late stages of the season. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. The one seed is definitely important. Um, but I also like the fact that the team has shown that they can play without Lowry. Like in three games he missed, they beat Cleveland and they kept it incredibly close with Golden State. So, um, so I do think there'll be opportunity for Lowry to rest. And if we can, then uh, I'd encourage it. But uh, if we're making the one seed push and there's there's only so many games, then we, he's got to play in, in the chance of getting the one seed. Right. And maybe, uh, obviously, Kyle and Dwayne will know what's best for themselves and know the state of Kyle's injuries, or not injuries, but kind of his fatigue level and everything like that. And maybe it doesn't have to be a... <clears throat> Maybe it doesn't have to be a timeout. Maybe it can just be maybe for two weeks we're going to play DeLon Wright and Van Vliet more than we normally would. And, Kyle, you're going to be reduced to maybe 25 minutes a game for a couple weeks here. Hopefully you can take out, get a big lead and or at least feel well enough that Kyle doesn't have to play so many minutes uh, down the stretch of certain games. Well, that would be uh, as we talk about Lowry, um, let's go ahead and talk about both him and DeRozan making the all-star team. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, both made the game last year as well. Um, and DeRozan and Lowry will play together once again for Team Steph. So kind of a little disappointing. I did want to see them go at it uh, on the opposing teams, but they will both be playing with each other. Um, for Steph Curry, uh, Kobe, are you excited to see this game? I know Brian wants Kyle to not play, but uh, Kobe, are you excited to see anything in this game? Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see the uh, shooter versus more big man matchup like that uh, that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's always fun to have teammates playing together, like Kyle, especially Kyle and Demar. Like as a Raptors fan, just watching them, it's it's just like it's enjoyable watching them. Like personally, like I just love watching them. But uh, besides that, I'm not I'm not um, too sold on uh, Durant going first with LeBron. But uh, but it, it should it should be fun to watch because a lot of guys are pairing up together. Like like Kyle, uh, Kevin Love and uh, Clay Thompson are are playing together from being old school friends and, and stuff like that. So and and not to mention Westbrook and Durant, right? So so guys, trade deadline is coming up and. I talked about this with Brian kind of just on our own before. What would you like, Brian, for the Raptors to target this trade deadline? Is there anyone in particular, maybe not a player or perhaps just a type of player, but who would you like the Raptors to target? We don't have enough shooters right now. It's it's almost as fundamental as that. Of all all the things that the team is lacking, it's consistent shooting from the outside. I don't know where we're going to get that. I, I was sitting here before we got started at a few minutes after the technical mess that I got myself into, um, listing some players who were potentially available and they're either, they can't, they're, they're going to be too expensive or whatever the case may be. So I'm not sure where this mythical more shooting is going to come from, but it may just remain a myth because we may not be able to get any. So that's kind of a pessimistic perspective, but I got to be, uh, you know, we have to be realistic in these matters as well and not, not live in this high in the sky. Right, and I think a lot of teams around the deadline, it, there, you can never have enough shooters on the team, especially the way the game's played today, so I think, especially more now than ever, shooters come at a premium, but I agree with you. I would like to see, um, you know, besides Kyle Lowry and even him, the team doesn't have 
they have a lot of good shooters. They don't have a Kyle Korver, a real marksman who puts fear in a defense's eyes. So it would be nice to see them go after someone who has to be accounted for at all times and you can run off screens and do different things with. Kobe, is there anything in particular that you'd like to see the Raptors go after? Um, like, like Brian said, just a score, probably a third score. Somebody like Marco Ballinelli, you know, um, helps space the floor, really gives us a, like a, another option to kick the ball out to, right? He doesn't necessarily have to be a starter because we've got a, quite a solid starting rotation, but just somebody who's able to come off the bench, provide a spark, like we had back when we had Lou Williams uh, a few years ago, right? So uh, I, th- I kind of touched on it in an article I wrote, but like somebody like Tyreek Evans, I know he's available. He's on good contract. I don't know what we'd have to trade to get him, but um, some, somebody like that, just, just another option. So it's not so heavily relied upon Kyle and DeMar scoring everything. My wife is a big Marco Bellinelli fan and was upset <laughs> the first when the Raptors had him and got rid of him. So <laughs> she'd be very happy to see him back in our colors. And he might be a buyout candidate um, with his contract. There was uh, some discussions that if he's not dealt at the deadline, he might be bought out. And if he's bought out, he's someone that the Raptors definitely need to pursue aggressively, in my opinion. Um, the problem with any buyout candidate from him is you go into the tax once you sign him. Um, I'm not sure if you are the Raptors, if you want to go into the luxury tax from Marco Bellinelli. So... Um, no offense to him, he's a fine player, but is he really swinging uh, the pendulum that much? So, not sure about that. But if they could get him, perhaps, for a trade exception, we do have an 11.8 and a 7.6 million trade exception. Um, perhaps someone looking to kind of clear their books we can take over for. Uh, yeah, while we're talking, I'm just going to have a quick peek at, at Marco's uh, contract. Uh, let's let's keep going. I mean, what you're suggesting is not at all unreasonable. Whether Atlanta, which is under the cap, would even want to do kind of a, a cap clear-out is, is an interesting conversation, not really appropriate for our um, what we're doing here. But I believe anyway. he's making – I believe – I can pull it up, but I believe Bellinelli is making $6 million per year as it currently stands. Yeah, it's so, somewhere right around there. It's like 6.3. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm the duration of the contract too. It's a one year. He is one year remaining. So one year remaining. So yeah, next year. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Like this is his last year. He's in a contract year, so he would be eligible for a buyout if they did get, if they did want to clear him, and he would be expiring for any team that takes him. Well, then that becomes a reasonable discussion. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. He's he definitely would be someone that helps your team as far as shooting and can play in that small forward position that is perhaps our most available for minutes, probably between small forward and power forward, I think are the two spots where it would be easiest to earn minutes on this team. So Bellinelli would fit into that role. Uh, Personally, I would like the Raptors to go after a, a two way three man. Um, The Cavs still are around. And if you have, the Cavs um, coming up, you need someone to defend LeBron. And perhaps the plan is to put Serge and put a bigger guy on him. But I I really struggle with this roster seeing someone who can defend LeBron consistently. Um, and obviously you want to rotate guys on him, but I don't see anyone on this roster who can really limit LeBron. And once you um, – once he – 
start to take advantage of your team and you have to send doubles and then the Cavs three-point shooting gets loose and that becomes a real problem. So I would like to see them personally go after a guy who can kind of be a two-way player, make open threes as well as defend the three position. Um, do you guys have any comments on that? Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. That the tricky part is finding somebody like that. I mean, the, the OKC just lost Andre Roberson, who was there kind of, well, not, not really a three guy, but in theory a three and D guy, primarily a D guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's gone. And so they're going to be out scouring the beating the bushes to find somebody of exactly the kind you're talking about. And people like that are not exactly easy to come by. So it's, it's going to be even a more competitive market to find somebody because, well, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the theory. The practice may be another matter entirely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, those kind of players are also at a premium at this time. Everybody wants people who are two-way players to support their main starters. So it would definitely be difficult finding someone like that. And you definitely are going to have to give up something pretty, probably something uh, pretty expensive if you're not able to at least, <clears throat> you might have to offer one of your younger players or a pick down the line, which I don't see Masai really offering a first unless something really catches his eye um, with one pick already out the window. He doesn't like to deal uh, first round picks and he shouldn't seeing how well he's drafted in the late first round. Um, he doesn't like to get rid of picks and I don't see him trying to get rid of a second first rounder. Um, just, to, just touching and wrapping up on that is, uh, yeah, especially if, if you're looking for somebody to stop LeBron, which is uh, a hard commodity to come by, right? So, uh, <laughs> it's impossible. The guy, the guy yeah. might be the greatest of all time. Yeah. yeah you so, slow LeBron uh, down would be the correct yeah. analogy, not stop LeBron. Yeah, so it, it, it'll, it'll be certainly uh, something difficult to find. Uh, like, we've tried it in the past. Many teams have tried. Many teams have failed. But maybe there is somebody out there for the right price. And, the great uh, Kamari Carroll signing is to stop LeBron. Oh, yes. So, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> it's not Did you have to that mention one. that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Although he is playing better. I, uh, Mari Carroll has been kind of found the fountain of youth in Brooklyn, which is interesting after we give up a first round pick for him. Uh, he's kind of a first round pick to get rid of him. He's There's some talks about him being desired around the league, which is laughable to me. But for me, it's kind of it's kind of meaningless basketball watching him play. It's like, I, yeah, he is playing better than he has in the past, but he was playing atrocious here, and he's playing on a like a young and kind of like I don't want to put Brooklyn down because they are a pretty good team, but they're not uh, they're not the they're not a playoff team, right? So he's kind of just playing basketball. Like somebody has to score on the team. Yeah, right? and you're not you're not getting the best effort out of other teams coming into Brooklyn. They understand what's going on when they face Brooklyn. So exactly. All I want, so, Brooklyn, all I want Brooklyn to do is get more wins than the Knicks. That would make me happy. Uh, that's very well possible. I, no incentive to tank. And as they no, keep winning, right. that pick for the Cavaliers keeps going down in value, which helps the Raptors as well. Seeing yeah. as we won't have – that pick becomes less valuable as they uh, go to target other players. Uh, speaking of the Cavs and other teams around the East, do you see any of the contenders making a move? Um, George Hill obviously has talked about – a lot as a potential piece to the Cavs, um, giving them kind of a 3-and-D guy to play point. Um, I believe that deal probably happens. I don't think – Brian Windhorst said he puts the odds at better than 50-50. So 
it feels like that deal is going to happen. Do you guys see any other major deals happening around the top of the East? Brian, like to go, you, uh, you can start us off. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, you know, first of all, if, if, if the Cavs think that George Hill is going to make the difference, then God bless them. I can't see it. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, he's, uh, that, that, that to me smacks of serious desperation. He's just not that, that strong a player. He's a useful player. He's a smart player. I'll give him all that. But his physical gifts are, uh, limited. Uh, if I can just step, just step back just for a second. We were talking about available shooters. I'll throw out a name here that might be kind of fun. Will Barton of the Nuggets. Mm. His contract is up. He's, he's being paid three, three point five million. Uh, so if the Nuggets find themselves on the outside looking in, they may, they may want to do this out, kind of the salary clearing exercise because they've got a lot of excessive players. You know, they've got Kenneth Farid who's gathering dust on the bench, doing nothing. Um, and so he's completely out of the rotation and there's other guys like that. So they may be a seller. Uh, anyway, in terms of who else is out there, like the Pelicans have lost to Marcus Cousins in their, their most successful season in years. And now he goes down. So are they going to be out there? Beating the bushes, trying to find somebody that can that can help them out. I think there there may be more buyers and sellers, which is yet another reason why the Raptors shouldn't really spend a whole lot of time, as far as I'm concerned, in the trade waters at all. And I I don't know who's going to move. I mean, are the Grizzlies going to blow themselves up and, and get rid of Gasol and uh, really pray for a miracle and see if they can trade Mike Conley now that he's out for the season and hope that some team is naive enough to think that he'll be healthy next year? I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to envision this particular trade deadline, uh, how it's going to work. Yeah, this deadline, it feels like there's less movement than there has been in past years. Um, yeah. It, it feels like no everybody, with the Warriors being what they are, it feels like all the buyers are kind of cautious. And what's the point of going all in if you're just going to face Golden State? So am I really going to get rid of all my long-term assets when I know I'm still going to be a heavy, heavy underdog, at least at some point during the season. So if you're not kind of Houston or, I mean, that's really, bizarre. that's about it. Yeah. yeah. If you're not Houston, what's the point of, if you're the Raptors, what's the point of giving up a young player like, say, Jacopoto or uh, Pascal Siakam? What's the point of giving them up in order to go ahead and face the Warriors when you know that you're still a heavy underdog, no matter if you do add someone to this team. So it, it feels like this deadline's pretty quiet. Um, George Hill for the Cavaliers, I think the point is at least Derrick Rose doesn't have to step on the court. So anytime that happens, that's helpful. You get a guy who can play defense at least. Uh, do you guys think the Celtics make a move here? Uh, I think they're probably going to stay put. Um if you're them, you're looking more towards next season anyways when Gordon Hayward comes back. Um, I, I don't really see the Celtics doing much. Because as, it, as it stands, they're already playing phenomenal. Like last night's game against the Warriors was just one. To, like you just couldn't miss it. But um, I don't see the Celtics doing anything. Like you mentioned, Gordon Hayward's going to come back. Um, I do want to touch on the, what Brian said, though. I agree completely that I don't think the Raptors should uh, make a move or trade anybody as it stands, because right now we do have a chance of beating Cleveland. As many times as we've said that over the years, it is more prominent than ever. Um, but I don't think making a move and trading some of our younger guys to try and to try and beat Cleveland this year is the uh, the play to be made. Um, speaking on that, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why the Cavs would go after George Hill. 
I don't know if this is a keep LeBron happy type of situation, but I just, I don't see the appeal in it, especially since they're probably going to have to trade a pick and they're going to have to move some players. I just, I don't get it. But if I could just pick up on that, the idea that getting George Hill will keep LeBron James in Cleveland seems preposterous mm. to me. Mm. <laughs> I completely agree. The greatest player in however many years making his decision on George Hill seems a little bit like a stretch, but it, I do think it helps him in the short term. Channing Fry and Amon Shumpert realistically aren't playing uh, any minutes, really, for that team. I mean, Shumpert's been out for the majority of the year, but he's been, I mean, just awful since he's received his extension yeah. there. Um, so I think they go after him because the price is so low, but like you said, I don't, he doesn't really move the needle for me. But um, just, do you guys see anything? Sorry. Uh, do you guys see any, the Wizards making any kind of move? Um, they're really struggling right now. They are a talented team um, that really lacks depth. It's They're very reliant on John Wall and Bradley Beal. Uh, Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter Jr. are, are good players. But uh, do you guys see them perhaps dealing one of those? Well, before this week, um, I know there's a lot of rumblings about possibly them going after Boogie, whatever mm-hmm. the price might have been. Um, I'm not sure if the Pelicans were – really willing to sell with the way they've been playing, but there has been talks about the Wizards going after Boogie and it kind of obviously has fizzled out since the injury, but uh, they have to make a move if they want to stay competitive because they are, they are talented, like you said, but they're just, they're kind of like the Clippers in the way that there's talent, but they're, they're never really doing anything with it. Right. So. Yeah. Um, I, they're kind of the disappointing team to me this season. I think that they, I kind of looked at them as going into the season, you picked Cleveland as your favorites. And then I, to me, it was Boston, Toronto, and Washington were the three teams in that second tier. And, I mean, they've completely fallen out. Um, obviously, the Cavs are disappointing as well. I think now you look at Toronto and Boston as equals, and I don't think that the Wizards are obviously in that group anymore. I agree. They haven't shown it. That's for sure. You, 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 on paper, they should be in the group, but they, they haven't won the games that they needed to win. So, as uh, Jack Armstrong says, you, you, you're as good as your record says you are. Okay, guys, I think that does it uh, here. Uh, it was a great talking to you. Yeah, you guys as well. Likewise, I enjoyed it. Let's do it again. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.